Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is George Gay. He is the Chief Executive Officer and founder of First Affirmative Financial Network. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, George. It's good to be here, Jordan. Thank you for having me. Let's get a little bit of your background in helping to found uh, the First Affirmative uh, Financial Network. Well, um, I, uh, I grew up on the shore of Lake Erie in the 1950s, um, so I had some environmental concerns uh, from the beginning. Uh, I am a 1974 graduate of West Point. Um, I served some time on active duty and a little bit more time. Um, I managed uh, the budget for all the businesses at Fort Carson. And during that time, I got my CFP designation. Um, actually, I, there, was a first affirm, uh, there was a business that I joined that later turned into First Affirmative. So uh, not exactly the founder, but I've been here for 35 years. And uh, we started doing what was called us socially responsible investing um, in 1988. Um, our, our business has specialized in, in that ever since. Um, we, uh, I've also spent about 10 years on the board of directors of the Social Investment Forum, which is the nonprofit trade association for the industry and we produced and host the industry conference for 30 years. So how do you think things have changed as far as the popularity of socially conscious investing from when you started back in 1988 to today? <laughs> well, uh, unfortunately, when we started, it was very much considered to be a fringe um, idea. And... Uh, you know, we were often called, you know, do-gooders or tree-huggers or, or, or other things. And um, so for a long time, it was, it was considered to be a, you know, a, a way to express your values, but maybe you would do just as well by donating money to nonprofits or whatever. The, the big change started to come in the late around 2007, 2008, which is when the Rockefeller Foundation coined the phrase of uh, ESG, environmental, social, and governance. And as compared to socially responsible investing or ethical investing or any of the terms that came before it, the, the ESG term caught on over time and became... Uh, more and more in common use. And it's, it's very interesting to me to see people now who claim that they've done ESG for 20 years who thought that we were wild and crazy men back in 2010. So uh, it's been a long and interesting journey. And what kind of impact has ESG, which has become so mainstream today, um, had? What kind of a positive impact? We're going to get into the details of the what, but... Overall, what kind of a positive impact has it actually had on the world, do you think? Well, I think that the, the screening of investment portfolios does not generally have a market impact. 
Uh, it's there's usually not enough screening that goes on that it really actually affects the cost of capital. Um, but the awareness of what people are concerned about, which is expressed in the media, expressed by stockholders, expressed in proxy voting, expressed in um, advocacy, shareholder resolutions, absolutely causes corporations to review and change their behavior. And so the, uh, uh, the impact comes from the impact actually comes from owning shares. The impetus comes from people who avoid the shares. If that sounds a little bit odd, but that's kind of the way it goes. So it has a positive impact on the companies that people invest in, and it has a negative impact on the companies that people are avoiding. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, because when people avoid it, um, they're, they then work with, the remaining shareholders to to encourage the management to change their behavior. So people, the, the argument always against socially conscious investing is that you're hurting performance, that you're, you don't have the full universe of stocks to work with, and therefore you're going to hurt your performance by only limiting yourself to the so-called good companies. Is that, what are the statistics about uh, ESG affecting performance. The you know that's that's always been an interesting claim to me. I nobody makes a claim that a value manager is going to hurt their performance because they only invest in value, or a growth manager will hurt their. You know every every active manager reduces their investment universe for some reason or another. Now, um, over time. Uh, and especially if you look at, you know, mutual funds and their performance versus separate accounts or individual money and, and that performance, it was true that SRI mutual funds were a little more expensive and that cost sometimes affected performance. Um, the oldest track record of ESG SRI performance compared to the conventional market was something called the Domini Social Index, which was created almost 30 years ago, um, which is replicated in the MSCI KLD 400 exchange-traded fund. And over nearly 30 years, the DSI, the original Domini Social Index, outperformed the S&P 500 by about 40 basis points a year. Um you know, plus or minus in different years, and um, with a beta of about 1.02 or 1.03. So on a risk-adjusted basis, it was is very competitive. Uh, other products range based on experience of the managers and costs, but most current research indicates that taking ESG into consideration when making investment decisions tends to have a small positive effect um, on performance and a, and, and a slight reduction in risk. Because the companies do good things that help them become more profitable and avoid trouble, why would there be a positive impact that, today? 
that's that's generally true. There there are in most um, ESG rating systems there are fifty to ninety characteristics that are that the companies report on, and, and generally most of these things are self-reported. So there is an, an effect there, but. Companies that have a better record, for example, of diversity on their board, there is a direct relationship in board composition and investment performance. Um, there are other areas of, of, of business where a good business decision gets you a better score. Um, and so it could be it could be in the area of safety, product safety, and, and could be employee training. And, and um, so, you know, I mean, if you do a good job of training your employees, promoting your employees, your employees stay with you longer, they're generally better, happier, less expensive in the long run. So those kind of things tend, the things that give you a good ESG score tend to be good business behaviors. Yes, very good. We're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is George Gay. He is the chief executive officer and founder at First Affirmative Financial Network. Uh, you can find out more about what they do in socially conscious investing at his website, firstaffirmative.com. We'll be back after this. Nobody likes the guy who says, I told you so. The guy in 1991 who said to you, invest in the internet, it's going to be huge. Or the guy in 1997 who said, come on, this is going to be big. They call it social media. And the guy in 2009 who said, I'm telling you, man, crypto is real. Now, I'm not going to be that guy who says, I told you so. But I am telling you that there is a 21-year-old international company where you can become a global project partner earning a passive income doing exactly what you're doing at this moment. No selling, no recruiting clients, no administering a business after hours. Visit www.mypassiveincome.life now. That's mypassiveincome.life. Don't let history repeat itself on this one. Earn a passive income. Now listen again. That's mypassiveincome.life. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is George Gay. He is the chief executive officer and founder of First Affirmative 
Financial Network, uh, specialized in socially conscious investing. You can find out more about his firm and what he does at firstaffirmative.com. Welcome back to the show, George. Thank you. Happy to be here. Let's specifically talk about what First Affirmative does to help people make decisions, uh, both for individuals and institutions, to be more socially conscious investing. How can people use what First Affirmative offers to to make better investing decisions? First Affirmative is an SEC-registered, fee-only, registered investment advisor. We are 100% employee-owned, headquartered in Colorado Springs, but we work with and through advisors around the country who have agreements with First Affirmative. So we currently have a little over $900 million in assets under management or administration, and we work with you know several hundred advisors around the country who bring some of their clients to us. Um, we offer both managed mutual fund solutions for clients where mutual funds are or exchange-traded funds are uh, appropriate, and we also offer individual secure portfolios made up of individual securities. We work especially, excuse me, we, we are now at the point where we are able to work with individual clients on a very customized basis. You know, the, the technology of investment management has improved to the point where it is easier than ever to build a portfolio that is custom designed based on a client's personal values and preferences. And so when, when clients have very clear understanding of the things that they want to support and the things they want to avoid, we're in a position to build them high-quality institutional-class portfolios using individual securities. And as I said, though, we also are able to offer exchange-traded funds and, and mutual funds for clients where, where that's a, a more appropriate uh, situation. So the mutual funds are offered through advisors. Not direct, it's not like a no-load fund that people can just buy directly from you. Is that correct? Well, no. It, yeah, we are not the founder. We're not an advisor to any mutual fund. We use existing product all on a, on a no-transaction basis. Um, and, um, uh, but, yes, it, it is other people's funds that we evaluate and, and manage. So as an individual, if you're an individual investor and you want to use the screening services you have, you'd have to go through an advisor in the first uh, affirmative financial network to find such an advisor who would then put an individual stock portfolio together of stocks that you would like. Is that correct? That's that's correct. We are we do not at this time have any uh, business to consumer uh, offering. Um, we look at that, and we may, but presently we work, we work with advisors. But you could go to firstaffirmative.com and find an advisor in your area who would be using your services. Is that the right, right way to that, do it? That's, that's correct. That's correct. And so there are different advisors who have different screens, or, or is it pretty much the same as to what's in and what's out for what you're looking for? What we, generally speaking, the... There, there is a general consensus of these are the things that are 
that people are going to choose to avoid uh, and a general consensus of things that people will want to support. Sometimes people don't have an opinion. Uh, our current offering, we have 52 impact preferences um, where people, like I said, they can either choose to exclude things um, or, or overweight them. The, if, if a client has very different values, that will be obvious very quickly in the, in the process, and, and that client you know, should, should work with someone else. Okay, so let's go through some of the specific areas that you like to support. <clears throat> um, and I'm just going to go through it. You have a, a wheel on your website of all the different areas, the first one being clean energy. So right. what are some of the uh, impacts you've had and maybe even some companies that you think are particularly good in producing clean energy these days? Well, um, from a from a compliance standpoint, I, I cannot make individual security recommendations uh, yeah. on a show like this. I'm sorry. But even even um, industries, even you know, sub industries. But gen- generally cleaner. speaking, people people are supporting solar. They support wind. They support tidal energy or or water. Even small rivers and streams have have energy support. There's also sometimes. People support energy from um, methane extraction from from garbage dumps, um, but solar and wind are the are the biggest uh, biggest uh, areas these days. And the alternative to that, so for example, there was this recent case where Exxon Mobil had three board members that the management did not want, but got voted on anyway uh, in the energy field. Do you think that's yeah. going to make an impact on big oil companies to have kind of the opposition actually on their board? I think that it's very interesting to see several of these oil companies establish carbon neutral target dates. Um, I think ExxonMobil was a holdout in that area and that these new uh, Exxon already had one very solid environmental um, director before the Engine One uh, vote happened. Um, now, with three environmental directors, I think it's, it's very clear that Exxon will have to evaluate um, their carbon impact and, and where they focus as we go forward. And do you think that'll happen to other oil companies as well? This is the beginning of a trend. I think that. Um, I think that all the major oil companies are going to have to address their their carbon footprint. What what is their exposure to stranded assets where they have they have assets on the book that are not going to be economic to take out of the ground? So I, I do think that um, you know even even you know Saudi Arabia will eventually have to look at some of these things and um, and make make some adjustments. Is it possible to be an environmentally positive oil company, or is it just by the nature of it, extracting fossil fuels, they're going to be on your no list? Um, yeah, again, the, the list is the client can choose to support oil companies if, if they want to. Um, and, you know, our system certainly allows for that. The 
progressive energy companies are going to are going to find ways to to have less of a carbon impact. I I think that um, everyone that 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 really looks at carbon energy is going to say we can only have so much of it. We have a climate um, problem. <laughs> if if you were in Portland a couple of weeks ago at 116 degrees, um, there's something going on with the climate. So I think that pure carbon energy companies are going to have to to expand and um, and diversify. I mean, the argument against that is that we've been restricting in, in the United States uh, carbon, uh, you know, bring out fossil fuels and You've seen the price of energy go up dramatically, $75 a barrel, and now we're becoming yeah. more dependent on foreign uh, – we used to be self-independent, uh, you know, in, and now that we're restricting, uh, for example, uh, drilling on foreign uh, – on um, public lands, that we're now going to become right. uh, dependent on Venezuela and Nigeria and places that aren't particularly friendly to us, that we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot by these strategies. What, what do you think of that? Um, I, I mean, obviously it's a tough call uh, the, we were energy independent a couple of years ago, two years, one, um, I don't think that all of the change in price has to do with policies in the United States. Um, but I think, you know, there is a, a trade-off that has to be made and whether, Right now, the current policy is the right place on the trade-off. It is a hard call to make. The, you know, certainly I think that the, you know, tar sands pipeline, for example, was a was it was a good idea to back away from the tar sands pipeline. On the other hand, there are clean energy operations, relatively clean. Natural gas operations, other things in the United States that we shouldn't just shut down. That there has to be a better plan to transition from where we are to where we want to be. Yeah. Okay. Another area that you like to invest in is fresh water. So, how are some ways that people can invest in in fresh water? Okay. Well, water is. Um, you know, the first point you have to decide is whether you consider water to be a, a human right or not. Um, and that, that is another area of controversy, um, because water is a finite resource and the, um, you know, so basically you, you have, how do you clean the water that you have? How do you reduce the waste of the water that you have? And then is there any way to clean or desalinate water from the ocean. Um, so those are, and then those are different aspects. One of them is essentially an infrastructure aspect. In the United States, at least, we waste an enormous amount of water through leaking pipelines and um, municipal uh, water systems. Um, then, of course, you have water purification companies um, and and then you you do have wa how do you get water from a place? You know, one of the disputes in the United States is that we should take water out of the Great Lakes and send it out west, send a pipeline or something. 
um, you know, we're the West is in incredible drought right now. So as how do you get water from where you have it to to where you need it, and how do you make those decisions? Yeah. Um, every every asset allocation process has has those trade offs. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is George Gay. He is the founder and CEO of First Affirmative Financial Network. And you can find out more about the socially conscious investing that he encourages at firstaffirmative.com. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is George Gay. He is the CEO and a founder of First Affirmative Financial Network. You can find out more about what they do at firstaffirmative.com. Welcome back to the show, George. Well, happy to be back yet again. <laughs> so we're going to the different areas. We talked about clean energy. We talked about fresh water. The next area is healthy food. So again, talk about some of the ways that you can invest in uh, healthier food production. Well, I think that one of the things that concerns a lot of people is the effect of animal protein and its effect on on both water use, land use, other things. So increasingly, uh, vegetable-based protein is, is a way that people want to invest. Um, organically grown food is another way that people want to invest. So there are, there are ways to avoid um, also, you know, factory farm type structures so that, that the, Production of food is more humane, 
more environmentally friendly and uh, and and more uh, vegetable based. The next one is climate. So, how can one invest in improving the climate? Well, in the um, there there are beyond the renewable energy uh, sources that we we spoke about. Um, I mean, just as one example, the biggest source of um, uh, climate um, gas is actually the built environment. So improving the efficiency of real estate um, is one way, for example, to reduce the climate impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether it's, um, you know, green roofs or whether it's it's uh, more water efficiency in the creation of the building, but uh, real estate, sustainable real estate is an area where you can have a big climate effect. Lots of other areas that conserve or make more efficient use of any kind of energy. So it ranges from... um, uh, metering to again trans, tr- efficient, more efficient transmission of energy. Uh, so there, there are areas like that. Again, the um, uh, other other industries uh, would be you know just any place where you can make something more efficient and more um, you know reduce the energy impact is 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 a climate-favoring investment. I mean, some would say it's too late that we've passed the tipping point. And what we've seen this summer with this incredible heat wave and drought in the West shows that it's, it's too late, that there's nothing really we can do. It doesn't matter at this point. Is, 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 is that part of your way of looking at things? Uh, uh, no, I, I don't believe it's too late. I believe, though, that what we do need to, we do need to move beyond debating whether anything can be done, um, or and and or whether humans can affect the environment or not, I think it's it's clear that at the margin, human behavior uh, has an impact, and therefore human behavior can reduce the impact. Um, you know the um, that two degrees of centigrade. Um, you know we're we're on the we're on that path, but there is still opportunity to make changes that 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 reduce uh, that increase in carbon dioxide. The next area is to minimize waste. So ways to invest in in minimizing waste. Yeah, the um, and you know this is not necessarily garbage haulers, um, but packaging. Just as an example, if you go to a fast food restaurant and how much packaging do they use? How much packaging does Amazon use when they ship stuff all over the place? How much packaging, um, you know, when you buy something, how many layers of packaging do you have to go through before you finally get to whatever whatever it is? So you're saying so, you can invest in, in smaller amounts of packaging? Certainly, the companies that make packaging 
can make it more efficient and and can make it and still be profitable at it. Um, the uh, I, I have you know we've we've seen things like McDonald's got rid of styrofoam packaging quite a quite a few years ago, um, and so now they have cardboard packaging. Maybe the next thing is they have just paper. Here in Colorado, um, they just passed a, a law. We're going to have to pay for reusable uh, for non-reusable bags at the grocery store. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you know. So there's there's a lot of things that go on. Where how much attention do they pay to their waste stream? Um, in Europe, a company is responsible for its product from manufacture through disposal. So that, if, you know, if the company that creates a product is responsible for what happens to it in the waste stream, they're going to be more careful. Yeah. Okay, the next one is what you call justice. So how can one invest in more justice? Well, uh, I mean, we can start by what you don't invest in. You don't invest in for-profit prisons. Um, you don't invest in... Um, in in other um, industries that support incarceration, family separation, um, you know, uh, those kinds of things. The next thing, of course, is um, the, uh, you know, a whole lot, a range of the uh, diversification, equity, and, and inclusion issues that have come up to the forefront in the last year or so. Um, you know, are people of color, people of different gender identities, um, are they participating in the business? Are they participating in the community? Are they getting a fair shake? Um, and there's there's lots of places now where that's being much more highly evaluated than it than it was has been in the past. So there are so the objective idea, indices of these, of companies that are more, more diverse in their workforces and less diverse. Probably, Is that right? probably the most current leader in that space is a investment firm called Adafina. And this is, they're not a company you can invest in. They're, they're a company that gives investment advice and they do research. Uh, and so, uh, that is A D A S I N A. Um, they're headquartered in San Francisco. They do maintain an index, I believe, of of social justice related investments. Yeah. Um, so, so that there are other people doing work in that area, but I believe that Adesina is is the leader right now. And another category is what you call peace and security. So, how can invest in peace and security? You know, this is another, you know, d- difficult area. As, you know, again, I, I mentioned at the beginning, I'm a West Point graduate, so uh, I do believe that um, national security is, a, is an important um, feature of the government. Not, a lot of people don't agree with me. Uh, so sometimes people will avoid investing in weapons manufacturers, Sometimes they'll avoid, you know, uh, right now, for example, an area that is 
controversial is facial recognition technology. Um, mm-hmm. I think that if you use facial recognition technology in an airport, that's probably a good thing. But other people will argue if you use it at the border, it's, it's not a good thing. Uh, I mean, I think the key point to make in all of these things is that a lot of criticism of social investing was that, you know, things were not clear. And, and the point is, they're not. It's not a black and white area. There's a lot of places where you have to do some research, you have to do some soul searching, and you have to really clearly say, these are where my values are, and, and this is why I, I believe what I believe. So that you, you make a choice and, you know, can understand that there are consequences. And, um, you know, so, you know, should the, should the United States spend as much as it does on national offense? You know, that's a political question. But if you're going to say, am I going to invest in that? Um, am I going to invest in manufacture of, of handguns? Um, you know, that's, you know, security in, <laughs> security at your school, you know. So those, those are the decisions that conscious investors have to make. Another group is uh, to alleviate poverty. So how can company? How can you invest in companies that alleviate poverty? Okay. Well, first of all, you know, you look at are they paying a a fair and living wage? Um, so, I mean, right now, obviously, a huge dispute right now is um, people coming out of the pandemic are finding it hard to get people back into the workforce. Yes. And there's an argument that, well, we're, we're still paying them to stay home, and that once we stop paying them to stay home, maybe they'll come back into the workforce. The question is, will they come back into the workforce at $7.50 an hour, or will they come, need to come back into the workforce at, at $15 an hour or some other amount? So um, you would invest in companies yeah. that pay higher wages as a way to alleviate poverty, that's a positive in your scale of socially conscious investing. It, it, it is. And I would just say that, again, I'm constrained from naming names, but there's two very large companies, one which doesn't pay its employees very well and another which pays its employees very competitive wages. And, you know, the one who pays competitive wages does better in many, many metrics than the one who doesn't. Uh-huh. Um, one of the, one of the you know one of the questions is, does the company outsource its expenses into the society, or does it maintain them internally and and account for them and pay for them? If you if you transfer your expenses to the community at large, it's like tobacco companies. They transferred their expenses to the public health care system. Um, so you, part of the evaluation is, is a company responsible for its behavior and account for it and charge accordingly, um, you know, so that the company and the company's customers are paying the workers versus the welfare or government paying for their workers. Yes, very good. Okay, we're going to take another break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show, my guest this hour 
is George Gay. He is the CEO and founder of First Affirmative Financial Network, which helps people invest socially consciously. You can find out more at his website, firstaffirmative.com. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth in Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth in Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is George Gay. He is the Chief Executive Officer and founder of First Affirmative Financial Network. You can find out more about what they do to help people invest socially consciously at firstaffirmative.com. Welcome back to the show, George. Okay, thank you. We've talked about the nine different areas, clean energy, fresh water, healthy food, climate, minimizing waste, justice, peace and prosperity, alleviating poverty, and the final one is human health. So we've just gone through a worldwide pandemic. So what are some ways to invest uh, in, in ways that improve human health and avoid the kind of thing we've just been through? Yeah. Well, I, I think the first place you tend to think about is, is again, in the area of what is for-profit, what is non-profit in the healthcare space. And so you've got healthcare services, you've got um, healthcare system manufacturers, you know, the company that makes artificial knees or artificial hips, um, or any of the supplies that are used in the healthcare system. You've got the question of the entire health insurance-related industry. Um, so in, in all of those, another, though, extension, one of the things that, that we identified um, during the pandemic was a company's sick leave policies. And so, you know, how, how does a company take care of its employees when they become ill? And what kind of benefits do they provide to them? And so that's, that's a piece of the process that became very interesting in us to, to evaluate sick leave policies. So that's a whole range of things. And then there's the healthy behavior. Um, you know, uh, what, what behaviors help people to stay healthy? So, you know, exercise, um, you know, other, other, um, uh, you know, education, uh, community participation, things like that, that are all good for your good for health in general. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, you also talk about how you use proxy voting and shareholder advocacy to uh, change consumers, uh, corporations' behavior. Is that got a better record in the past? It was just like these gadflies that would put these resolutions up that would never pass. Is that changing now in the ability to affect corporate behavior? It's, it's changed substantially. Uh, one of the things First Affirmative does, we vote our proxies for all of our clients. We have um, extensive proxy voting guidelines that are on our website. The other thing, though, is that a big difference is, is you're right, in the past, you know, sometimes, you know, shareholder resolutions would be at 5 6 7%, and then that was enough that they could come back next year. Last year, we had numerous situations where shareholder-led um, proposals achieved the majority vote. Um, and so the other thing that also happens is you propose a resolution, you negotiate with the company, the company doesn't want it to go before the shareholders, and so they negotiate a uh, they negotiate a um, compromise so that the so that the proposal is withdrawn. So the the process is an ongoing, um, you know, an ongoing of. Uh, uh, compromise and negotiation and discussion between shareholders and management. So those are those are the things that are very effective. In general, are corporations being more open-minded about these kind of issues and the ESG pressures from institutional investors? I mean, you can hear that. On the other hand, you can hear a lot of executives have been thrown out by activist shareholders and hedge funds that are just purely about making money. How do they balance those two different uh, pressures? Yeah, the you know, I mean, I think if you look at the chamber of uh, the chamber of commerce or some business policy representatives that are still going to argue against some of these things. On the other hand, you know, increasingly, as I said earlier, companies that have better ESG scores tend to be better run companies and tend often to to perform well as investments. So the, the you know a, a good shareholder resolution has to have a good business case. Um, you know you it, it doesn't make sense to do a resolution that's going to damage the business because you have to be a shareholder to provide a resolution. So the 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 end of the day you make a good business case the management is going to make intelligent decisions thoughtful decisions and the company will operate better is this a, a truly global movement or is this mostly the united states where it's having an impact esg actually a, a lot of esg is the united states is actually behind um, in in many respects, Europe in particular is is ahead of the United States in areas of ESG. Some small parts of Asia as well, um, but firms, especially investment management firms, were using ESG more in Europe than in the United States, um, and so we're in many respects catching up. 
So just to kind of sum this all up, what is the next 20 years going to look like as far as the impact of the socially conscious investment movement that you've been in for so long? <laughs> oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I mean, I can remember back when we would have conversations about mainstreaming the idea of, of SRI, and we, we thought, um, you know, we'd sit in the hot tub at our conference and talk about this. And um, just to give you that old ancient history, but um, all of a sudden it, it's become or becoming mainstream. And I think the real question is, what are, as people use the ESG data, what is their intent? And if the intent is to use the data to make human existence a better, more sustainable, more healthy um, process, um, that that will also make money in the investment markets. If you only use ESG to make money in the investment markets and don't use it to um, improve the human condition, then you're missing you're missing an opportunity. So I think as as time goes on, we're going to see um, people who say, How, "What what are the choices that we have to make about this, and what are what are the outcomes that we desire? What are, you know, it's got to be an outcome-based process. And so you're pretty optimistic. You're, you're pretty optimistic I, that this movement is going to gain strength and have a, a major positive impact on corporate behavior. I, I have to be. <laughs> I mean, it's, I've, you know, I've been doing this for 35 years and, um, you know, and it's, it's been really fun and very interesting and, and very fulfilling because I've worked with so many people who've accomplished so much. What is the biggest threat to all this? I think that the, that it that the data is used that that it, the people who are calling themselves ESG don't understand what it is that the market wants and if the market if investors say wait a minute this is not what I thought you were going to do. You know, based on what you told me, I, I can't understand why you may have made the investments that you've made. Um, I think that's, the, from an investment industry standpoint, that's the, that is the big thing. I think uh, from, a, from a bigger picture standpoint, you know, threats are government behavior, um, you know, we still we still will have we still have problems internationally between countries and those country national national interest behaviors could could sabotage human interest behaviors. Yeah. Well, very good. We've covered an awful lot of ground. My my guest this hour has been George Gay. Uh, he's the CEO and founder of First Affirmative Financial Network helps people and help you to become a better socially conscious investor. You can find out more about what he does and his organization does at their website, firstaffirmative.com. We've learned a lot, and thanks so much for being on The Money as the Show, George. Thank you so much for having me, Jordan. I appreciate it. Thanks again, and we'll be back next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. 
Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.